Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, August 10th, and we start with local news. An investigation by Special Agent Fire Investigators with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation into two fires in Lawrence County last month has resulted in the arrest of a Summertown man. On June 29th, TBI Special Agent Fire Investigators joined the Lawrence County Fire and Rescue and the Lawrence County Sheriff's Office in investigating two fire scenes that occurred that month in Summertown. The first fire occurred June 28th on Dukes Park Road, and the second took place June 29th on Davis Street. The investigation revealed that both fires were incendiary. During the course of the investigation, agents developed information that indicated Robert Ream was the person responsible for setting the fires. On July 25th, the Lawrence County Grand Jury returned indictments charging Robert Lee Ream, 33, with two counts of arson. Ream was arrested and booked into the Lawrence County Jail on a $30,000 bond. As the upcoming school year is set to begin, local police departments are urging motorists to be aware of both the presence of school buses again, as well as the law on yielding to them. Tennessee Code Annotated 55-8-151 states in part, The driver of a vehicle upon a highway shall stop the vehicle before reaching the school bus. The driver shall not proceed until the school bus resumes motion or is signaled by the school bus driver to proceed, or the visual signals are no longer actuated. Depending on if you are traveling on a two-lane road, multi-lane road, or divided highway will determine if you need to stop or not. On a two-lane road or a four-lane highway with a center turn lane, everyone stops. If the four-lane has a divider, such as a median or an unpaved area at least five feet wide, traffic in the opposite direction can proceed cautiously. Only traffic behind the bus must stop. Last year, Spring Hill had five incidents that either directly or indirectly involved a school bus, according to a press release. Mount Pleasant police said there were no incidents involving school buses last year. We are very fortunate not to have had any accidents involving school buses last year, Assistant Chief Jack Burgett said. That's a credit to our local motorists for paying attention, and hopefully we won't have any incidents this year again, he said. According to Murray County Public Schools Communications Director Jack Cobb, there there were 13 total incidents involving Murray County school buses last school year, and luckily, no injuries reported. Two weeks before the long-awaited special called legislative session on public safety, Representative Scott Sapicki has spoken out about the need for increased mental health services in the state, citing a lack of families and beds, I'm sorry, facilities and beds available. The Tennessee General Assembly is scheduled to meet beginning Monday, August 21st for a special session focused on strengthening public safety and preserving constitutional rights. The session was called by Governor Bill Lee following the Covenant School shooting in March. The legislation is not required to be filed until 48 hours before session. Lee has expressed to members that he intends to submit an order of protection bill, which would allow a judge to revoke gun rights from an individual deemed dangerous to themselves or others. Representative Sipicki, who has proposed building more inpatient mental health facilities, said he is focusing on what can be done with regards to mental health. I think the problem we have right now when you look at mental health, we have over 1.3 million Tennesseans accessing mental health and we have less than 1,000 beds statewide, he said. 
There's your problem. We don't have the ability to get people the help they need and long-term inpatient health, he said. Representative Sipiki also cited the rising homeless population in downtown Nashville, stating there are currently over 300 people living under bridges. I asked the mental health people if these people would voluntarily commit themselves to an inpatient facility and get the help they need to turn their lives around. How many of these 300 could turn their lives around? They said 270. If we had a facility for them to get checked into and get the help they need, they could go back to living a normal life. Sapicki also noted the importance of receiving the Covenant Shooters Manifesto in order to better understand the shooter's mental state. Lawmakers have been pushing for the release of the shooter's writings, while families of the victims have fought to keep them private. We've got to have that manifesto and toxicology report, he said. I need to have law enforcement, psychologists, and doctors tell me the mental, physical, and medical state of this individual's individual so when we're passing laws, I know what I'm trying to stop, he said. Nobody aside from Metro Police, TBI, and FBI have seen the toxology report, Sapicki added. Everyone is being very tight-lipped about it. This is the first time something like this has ever happened with a shooting like this, that the information and manifesto have not been released to the public. That's troubling because as legislators, we use that information to figure out what went wrong and how we fix it. I'm walking in the legislature, into the legislature blindly, he said. The Metro Nashville Police Department is currently in possession of the manifesto. In a statement released back in May, Metro Police said the writings will not be released due to pending litigation. Due to pending litigation filed this week, the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department has been advised by counsel to hold in abeyance the release of records related to the shooting at the Covenant School pending orders or direction of the court, the statement read. I think there are some things we can do in regards to mental health, but we will be very sensitive to the Constitution moving forward and making sure we don't infringe on people's rights, Representative Sapicki said, stating he remains focused on protecting the Second Amendment. The City of Columbia took a step towards enhancing its road infrastructure by submitting a grant application for the 2023 Statewide Partnership Program. The application seeks funding to undertake the project of widening 7.2 miles of Bear Creek Pike, stretching from Nashville Highway to Interstate 65. If successful, this initiative would mark one of the most substantial investments in road infrastructure that the city has witnessed in a generation. The project holds immense significance for the City of Columbia and its residents as it aligns with a long-standing priority and vision for enhanced road connectivity and accessibility. Bear Creek Pike's expansion to a four-lane highway from Florence, Alabama to Columbia, Tennessee, subsequently connected to Interstate 65, underscores its regional importance. City engineer Glenn Harper commented, This segment of Bear Creek Pike provides a regional connection to I-65 and is a priority for the City of Columbia due to the impacts that increasing traffic will create regarding safety, congestion, and economic opportunities. The widening would bring notable efficiencies to the daily commute for countless residents who utilize this route. Mayor Chaz Mulder stated, I am pleased the City of Columbia and our City Council have agreed to the most significant partnership investment in city history, $10 million over 10 years to show Columbia's commitment to the project, he said. The timing of this proposal dovetails perfectly with ongoing infrastructure projects. Currently underway is a $29 million enhancement project for the interstate interchange at I-65 Bear Creek Pike. Furthermore, City Manager Tony Massey noted, The city has committed $4.5 million for enhancements for the Bear Creek Pike intersection and Nashville Highway intersection. By integrating these planned improvements into the broader Bear Creek Pike widening project, two major corridor improvements will be achieved, he said. 
Mayor Mulder went on to say, I am hopeful, if not confident, with the support of our state legislative delegation and our community as a whole, that TDOT will fund this application to widen Bear Creek Pike, which will have a generational impact on that corridor and our road infrastructure as a whole. The City of Columbia eagerly anticipates the response to its grant application and remains committed to propelling the city's progress through strategic investments in its roadwork. With the support of both local and state stakeholders, this endeavor could reshape the future of transportation in the region. Longevity Chiropractic opened their office yesterday in Thompson Station. WKOM WKRM's Mary Susan Kennedy stopped by the new business to learn more about what they have to offer their patients. Good afternoon, this is Mary Susan Kennedy with Front Porch Radio. This afternoon I'm in Thompson Station at Longevity Chiropractic and I'm speaking with Dr. Brett Long, the doctor here, and we're at a ribbon cutting and grand opening. Uh, Dr. Long, tell us about the services you provide here at Longevity Chiropractic. Sure thing, Marion. Thanks for coming by in the rain. Um, so I'm not your average Cairo. I've had back surgery during school, during Cairo school, which led me to a couple other avenues that I didn't know were out there going into it. So I actually practice a lot of non-force methods where they're not doing the whole pop- popping and cracking. It's more of a, a gentle release, but it's still just as powerful, if not more, in my opinion. Um, but I treat infants, uh, pregnancy, old pediatrics, and car accidents are kind of the big three. because Those are all stages where you want to be treated gently and not necessarily thrown around. Um, but I do do that type of adjusting as well. And yes, I said do-do. That's all fascinating. That's great. And where are y'all located? We're in Thompson Station in Tollgate Village, right where the 840 and the 31 meet, right across the roundabout from Mojo's Tacos. Okay, that sounds super convenient. And can you tell our listeners about your days and hours of operation? Absolutely. So as of now, I'm working Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 to 1, and then 2 to 5. And we have a nurse practitioner that's going to be running space out of here on Tuesday, Thursdays, as well as massage therapists in the next couple weeks. That's great. And do clients and potential clients need to call for an appointment? I would recommend if you can. That'd be good just to make sure we always have enough time. But on um, days when I have availability, I do take walk-ins. But on our longevitychiro.jnap.com, which is also on our book now button on our website at longevitychiro.com, uh, you can see the real-time availability and book in real time and everything's electronic and on there. Okay, that sounds great. Uh, and one more time, that uh, number and then the website. Sure. So the, uh, the website is longevitychiro.com and it's longevitychiro.jnap.com for the scheduling site, but you can find them either way. Great. Well, congratulations. I know y'all are going to do great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. The Spring Hill Board of Mayor and Aldermen met alongside the city's planning commission last week to discuss ways to improve the city's efficiency in regards to growth and development. Over the last several years, as construction costs have increased, the city has realized a loss on performance bonds for developers, which sparked a discussion on how to safeguard the city from such losses. One suggestion was adding a bond renewal accelerator that would allow the staff to look at future bonds and require developers to increase their bond amounts based on the construction engineer index, a standard we also use to increase impact fees currently. In order to enact this change, the city's unified development code would need to be amended, and it would be applicable to the nearly 160 bonds in city the city currently holds. 
When we issue bonds, sometimes they may sit for several years as the developer builds out. As we just found out with Bellagio Villas, sometimes the costs go up if we have to call them and repair things ourselves, and we don't have enough money to cover the repairs, Spring Hill CIP manager Missy Stahl said. City Administrator Pam Kasky said the city will be on the hook for about $500,000 with the Bellagio Villas development as costs for repairs and maintenance far exceed the bonds put up. This year, the construction index went up 30%. If you have a normal 2 to 3% inflation factor in there, you're still way behind. If you're talking about bonds issued in 2020, we're way behind. They'll cover half of what it's supposed to be covering, Kasky said. Board members suggested several different options on how to keep bonds current, including eva- annual evaluations. What threshold triggers an evaluation, whether it's the length of time the bond is held, the valuation of the bond, or both, is sometimes the is something the board will discuss and then amend the UDC accordingly. Stahl suggested city staff be able to increase the bonds if necessary without board or planning commission approval due to the high volume of bonds the city typically holds. In order to do that, however, Stahl said another city staff member could be necessary, even if only part-time. If this is something you guys choose to do, we'll make it work. It would be beneficial to the city, she said. Kasky added, we're going to have to eat close to half a million dollars or more on Bellagio Villas. Do the staff calculations. If we all did, if all we did was avoid another one of those, we're money ahead, she said. While the idea seems like a no-brainer, both Commissioner James Golius and Planning Commission Chair Liz Droge said she would be worried developers could simply refuse to update the bond. The city does, however, hold a few pieces of leverage in those situations, including the ability to withhold certificates of occupancy or releasing their bond. We have the leverage, I think, to be able to play hardball if developers decided to do so, Kasky said. If you're going to play hardball, you always want to win, she said. Join Murray Alliance for a legislative lunch featuring Congressman Andy Ogles for a stimulating discussion around the current issues facing our business community and nation. This exclusive event offers the opportunity for you to engage with one of our federal representatives and gain valuable insights into current legislative matters. You may submit questions in advance by emailing them to nperry, that's N-P-E-R-R-Y, at murrayalliance.com. The event will take place on August 15th from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Puckett's in downtown Columbia, located at 15 Public Square. The cost is $25 for Murray Alliance members and $30 for non-members. Columbia Mayor's Youth Council, or CMYC, applications for the 2023-24 school year are now open. The CMYC is open to all high school students located within Murray County, public, private, and homeschooled. The 2023-2024 term will begin on September of 2023 and conclude in May of 2024. Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder stated, The Mayor's Youth Council has quickly established itself as one of the more important initiatives we have at City Hall. Not only does it bring youth inside our buildings to learn about important city issues, but I've seen it firsthand plant a seed in these students of love and pride for their community. I look forward to welcoming the upcoming class and would encourage all high school students to apply for what promises to be our best year yet, he said. The CMYC's goal is to foster leadership and community involvement among Columbia's diverse high school population and to encourage students to become further interested in local government. The CMYC is composed of Murray County High School students who value academic excellence, community involvement, and leadership. 
Selected students will have an opportunity to actively participate in various activities and programs, including team building, working with the mayor and other city officials, addressing issues affecting youth and the community, leading and volunteering in community projects, and learning about city departments and local businesses. The CMYC members will be selected based on an application process that is made available to all Murray County High School students. The application process opened on August 1st and will close on August 25th. Applicants will be notified of acceptance by September 1st. CMYC meetings will be held monthly in addition to community and volunteer projects. CMY applications can be found at www.columbiatn.com forward slash CMYC. Join the City of Columbia and Columbian Fire and Rescue as they conduct their annual 9-11 Memorial Ceremony. Located at Firefighters Park at 1000 South Garden Street at 8 a.m. on Monday, September 11th, local leaders will honor the brave men and women of emergency services. The public is invited to attend. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. James Warren Thomas. 89, a retired employee of the Department of Justice and a resident of Columbia, died Sunday, August 6th at NHC Murray Regional Transitional Care. Funeral services will be conducted on Friday at 11 a.m. at Southgate Church of Christ. The family will visit with friends on Thursday from 3 to 7 p.m. at the church. A private burial will follow in Morrow Cemetery. Mrs. Betty Ruth Adams Bigsby, 85, a retired waitress for Western Sisland and a resident of Columbia, died Friday, August 4th at Murray Regional Transitional Care. The graveside service for Mrs. Bigsby will be conducted on Saturday, August 12th at 11 a.m. at Rose Hill Cemetery. Mr. George Gilbert Brazelton, 91, retired district manager for Life Insurance Company of Georgia, died Monday, August 7th at his residence in Columbia, Funeral services for Mr. Brazelton will be conducted on Saturday, August 12th at 12 p.m. at Graymere Church of Christ. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Saturday from 10 a.m. until service time at the church. Dwight Stephen Stoffel, 74, a resident of Paris, Tennessee, died Sunday, August 6th. Funeral services for Mr. Stoffel will be conducted on Sunday, August 13th at 3 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home in Columbia. Burial will follow in Friendship Baptist Church Cemetery in Kalioka. The family will visit with friends from 12 noon until service time at the funeral home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help, gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important. But we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours. And we invite you to experience the difference. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. 
For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have scattered thunderstorms throughout the day today. The high will be 83 degrees with winds out of the west-southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. The chance of rain today, 100%. Tonight, we can expect more scattered thunderstorms, especially late. The low will be 69 degrees with light and variable winds. The chance of overnight rain, 50%. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance... Our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see shelter agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard. The same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg. We do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. This is Bob Kessling with Pat Ryan. It's a beautiful day for digging. The backhoe operator has the engine running and is moving into position. He's heading for the ground. He's in there. Wait, there's a flag on the play. Let's get out of the field for the call from our official. Illegal procedure on the digging team. Oh, that penalty could cause a costly accident. That's right, Bob. He needs to call before he digs. There's underground utility lines that could be hiding just below the surface. Water, sewer, electrical, communication lines, and even natural gas. Avoid a penalty by first calling 811 to have any underground public utility lines located and marked with flags or paint. It's free, it's easy, and it's the law. 
For more tips, visit pipesafety.org. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters and the Tennessee Gas Association. Funded in part by a grant from the Underground Utility Damage Enforcement Board. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. For the third consecutive season, the Nolansville Little League baseball team clinched the Southeast Regional Championship. Team leaders Grayson May and Nash Carter weren't going to have it any other way. I'll admit the rain delays got me for a bit. I hate them, said May, who pitched a complete game effort in a 4-1 to win over Florida Tuesday, despite enduring a more than four-hour weather delay and plenty of slick baseballs. But winning another regional championship is just awesome, he said. The two, uh, me and Grayson, have already done this, so we wanted to get the rest of our teammates in the World Series so they can live the dream with us, added Carter, who went one for two with a run scored and made several highlight real plays at shortstop. The two veterans will become the 41st and 42nd 12-year-olds to ever play and repeat Little League World Series tournaments in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. As a team, the Nolo Boys and Stella Weaver are in their third consecutive Little League World Series, which is a first for teams in the U.S. Weaver is the first girl to ever play in the Nolansville program and will be the 22nd to ever appear in the Little League World Series. We're making a whole bunch of history, said Nolansville coach Randy Huth, who is the first coach to ever lead a team back to the Little League World Series three years in a row. This team is so special, and it's a very special time for all of us, he said. This is unrivaled in sports. There's no event like this in youth sports, so to be back for a third time is just amazing. There's no words to describe that, he said. The local kids played for the U.S. Championship last year, falling to eventual world champion Honolulu, Hawaii, at historic Howard J. LeMay Stadium, which was built back in 1959. After a long bus ride back from Georgia Wednesday, the team will return around will turn around for the 13-hour trek back to Williamsport to prepare for the Little League World Series today. The tournament begins on August 16th. This means a lot to all of us to be there, and for Nash and I, twice is something, May said. I think we're going to do well because we have the most experience, he said. Having the experience that Grayson and Nash bring, there's just no substitute for that, Coach Huth said. They put everybody at ease and help everybody stay calm, he said. The Little League World Series begins Wednesday, August 16th in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. The Nolansville Kids will open the tournament on August 18th. The Little League World Series championship game will be played at 2 p.m. on Sunday, August 27th and will be aired on ABC. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. 
Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Mixed media artist Sarah Nguyen has been selected as Cheekwood's 2023 Artist-in-Residence. Working primarily with paper, Nguyen's intricate designs often incorporate flora and fauna, bringing together new stories as well as those reminiscent of the past. The residency will culminate with an exhibition within the museum's temporary exhibition space on view from November 18, 2023 through January 7, 2024. Cheekwood is excited to have Sarah Nguyen as this year's artist-in-residence, which offers the opportunity for her to seek inspiration from Cheekwood's gardens, historic mansion, and surroundings. We look forward to sharing Nguyen's unique art-making process of paper carving with the Nashville community, says Sarah Sperling, Cheekwood Vice President of Museum Affairs. Nguyen carves both recognizable and abstract forms out of paper fiber panels, which evoke memory, play, and ritual. Her technique is reminiscent of Jewish paper cutting, a sacred tradition that Nguyen participated in as a child. Sarah Nguyen is based in Columbia, Missouri, where she has worked as an art instructor at the University of Central Missouri for over 10 years. She holds a BFA in illustration from Rhode Island School of Design and an MFA in painting from the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. You can learn more about this exhibition and the artist by going to www.cheekwood.org. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.